Hey everyone, welcome back to the Peak and Flow podcast. My name is Dave Nixon and today I'm going to be discussing the problem behind the problem. So what does that actually mean? What am I referring to? Well, one of the things I've learned over the years is that in many areas of society, we commonly find ourselves dealing with not the actual problem itself, but the symptom of a deeper problem. And this can be an example, whether it be in weight loss or whether it be in um, business or whether it be in relationships or so forth. Commonly, we're attempting to fix a symptom rather than the actual problem itself. And the further I've gone down into what's really called developmental coaching, and I've I've spoken about it at length in many areas, and that's... um, when looking at, at developmental coaching, what that is is coaching to people's meaning-making structures or how they basically make meaning of their own reality, how they structure their mind to make sense of the world. And the benefit of the way that we structure our mind is that it allows us to have um, a really simple map of how we actually understand reality. The problem is, is that it can be exceptionally constrictive. It can limit the way that we heavily limit our potential. In fact, the less flexibility we have in our thinking, the more rigid we are, the the more problems we run into because the world is a continually unfolding, expansive thing, right? With billions of people involved, it can't really be suiting you all the time. So the more flexibility that we have, the the well, the greater flexibility we have in our thinking and our emotions. It really is the emotional agility that Susan David speaks of. So with developmental coaching, it's actually starting to see those structures of mind that we that we hold and that we value. And what that allows us to do is to actually start getting to the problem behind the problem. An example of that um, in the book, I probably should actually find it, but in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, one of the stories in there is about, and, and so he's a psychiatrist, and one of the stories in there is about one of his colleagues that runs a uh, weight loss program for his clients. Um, and funny enough, this colleague uh, had one of his colleagues, an, an admin staff member, do this weight loss challenge. Now, the challenge was, it was a year challenge. So it was, and challenge may not be the right word. It's not the fitness type challenge. It was more so research more than anything. And so he... Um, ended up running this program for this lady. It was mostly to do with shakes, um, as in weight loss shakes. And she lost effectively a kilo a week, like 100 pound, right? For 52 weeks, kept it off. And then let's say that's a calendar year. A few months afterwards, the person who ran the study saw his colleague again who who lost all the weight and she had put it all back on again. Now, this can be a common theme in in many people's experience we call it yo-yoing or yo-yo dieting or whatever the case might be but it's so easy to think that the person's problem is that what they're eating and the exercise they're not doing now he said to her he asked is it possible to interview her or, or for research purposes to find out why you may have put that weight back on she's like sure and so with questioning, what she what he found was that there was a moment in time where she was actually um, approached by another male colleague that basically said, "Hey, you look great. We should catch up and, you know, go down a particular intimate path." And uh, that triggered for her um, some PTSD. That's my words in relation to the story. 
um, of sexual abuse when she was a child. And so from there, she put the weight back on. Now, she didn't put the weight back on because of the trauma. For her, putting the weight back on meant that she never had to get exposed to being in that type of situation again. Her weight gain was actually a solution to a deeper problem. And so this is where, as in society, we can see like something so simple like that and be like, oh, that's the, the problem is the weight gain. They're eating too many calories. That's a symptom. That's not the problem. I can see how people run themselves into ground and they want to stop doing, they want to take care of themselves. But running themselves into the ground is a symptom of a deeper problem. They might have a meaning structure that goes, if I'm taking care of everyone else, then I'm worthy. And if I don't take care of people and take care of myself, then I'm selfish and, I sh- and I'm not, not worthy of love. And so there's the, the problem there is the meaning structures that they made maybe would have served them when they were much younger. Maybe it served them when they were a kid. But as an adult, it's just not working for them. Their cup is continually empty. And so this is one of the challenges of just dealing with the symptoms of what we deem the symptoms to be within societal norms, especially from an observational standpoint. And what I mean by that is that what subjectively, what can we measure? We can measure wastes, we can measure calories, we can measure weight, we can measure training sessions, we can measure calories burnt. These are all objective measures, but people are not just objects to observe, they are also subjects to interpret. And because that space is so subjective in nature, it makes it so hard to actually ground it in frameworks. And so developmental coaching, uh, especially through the coaching room, based out of Sydney and Melbourne and, and a few other areas, have like really brought together such an integral approach um, to understanding these models and maps. And then I've integrated a lot of that into the uh, phylogenetic nervous system, into breathing gears, into how we both breathe and then move and physically show up and how we think and mapping that out as one whole thing. And so this has allowed us to go deeper and going, what's the problem behind the problem? rather than just staying with and dealing with the symptom because it's like having gut issues that gives you a rash and so you put a cream on the rash and the rash goes away only to come back. It, what's the problem, right? Where's the leverage? And that's the key thing here when we start getting to the problem behind the problem, it's a lever. When we can really start dealing with the problem, the symptoms go away. So what we're trying to clear and fix in the first place actually gets cleared by dealing with the actual problem as well. And one of the challenges I see this, with this with a lot of people is that, and I hear it in coaching conversations, is they start to see a, a frame, so maybe a frame of mind, a belief structure that is not really yielding a positive result for them anymore. And so what they'll do is they'll go, that they'll see that, such as um, I talk down on myself to get more work done. And so for them they may want to attempt to do what's called a positive reframe. And this positive reframe comes from this whole positive psychology movement, which is if I think negatively here, I can reframe this as I'm learning or as in I'm, um, I'm, I, I'm worthy of love or I just put another sentence there, right? But even if that sentence was to stick, the difficulty is that I've potentially, I still hold value to the old frame that I'm attempting to positively reframe. Even though it's like negative in nature, at some point that was actually useful for me. At some point that got me a result that I wanted in that time. One of the most powerful sentences, and I hope I communicate this multiple times again and again and again, that I've heard recently was from Joseph from the coach room, funnily enough. And what he said was talking about the mental infrastructure 
is an infant structure, is that when we were younger, we developed this structure of mind and this structure of mind has helped shape how we view the world and we commonly are responding to the world, reacting to the world as the infant structure, not as us today. We're not meeting the moment and this is the beauty of learning how to meet the moment and be present, not just from the sake of, um, you know, posting on Instagram because I'm breathing, right? I'm literally talking about all of you in the moment integrating all of your past into the current moment as you now rather than reacting as a younger version of you. And so the difficulty with a positive reframe is that we never actually address the value that we hold on the old frame of mind because it's the value that drives that frame of mind that commonly is the problem. And if we're not able to identify that, then we will still hold that subconscious value, that unconscious value behind that way of thinking, behind that way of being. And so we can see the problem, the symptom, right? We can see the symptom and we can attempt to reframe it. But if we never deal with the value that we hold behind that actual negative self-talk, for example, then we never actually deal with the problem itself. And so it's not about whether we should or we shouldn't do positive reframes. It's more once we start to see through the infant structure, the value that we hold on particular frames of mind, on ways of being, it actually just collapses. That that frame, it will continue to arise. The, the, the thinking that I want to change, which is usually rejection, which commonly creates more of it, the thinking that I want to change won't go away. But the emotional pull that that thinking has on you the drive that thinking has over you will. And that's the important point. If we're able to get to the value and understand what value we once held that we may still be holding on a particular way of thinking, then we can collapse that frame by seeing through that it's just not true anymore. Right? But if it is for you, then carry on. That's it's, it's it's not me to say, it's, it's yours, right? And same me for mine, that's mine. And so when we get to the core of the issue, when we get to the value behind the problem of the symptom, then we start to truly meet ourselves and we start to stop reacting as a younger version of ourselves and we start to be able to choose how we, how we respond to certain moments. But it takes time. But the time passes anyway. So, I mean... <laughs> You may as well meet yourself, right? And it also means like the work that you do on yourself in this sense and really get into the problem behind your problems. The work that you do on yourself is intergenerational because it means that you're not passing these unconscious um, ways of being, these unconscious beliefs and structures of mind that may no longer serve you, that still may run you. You're not passing that on to the next generation. I mean, they'll have their own shit. Don't worry about that, right? Just like you did, but and just like I did, of course. But the key thing there is that you're not going to be able to, you're not passing that meme on, right? You're, you're, you know, what happened to you when you were young was not your fault. But as an adult, it's your responsibility. So what are you going to do about it? Well, here's a couple of things you can, right? When we start looking at these types of conversations, well, okay, maybe I took something away from this. How do I actually integrate that into my day-to-day life? The first and always the first is going to be an awareness practice. And so when when you catch yourself running a particular thought or pattern or seeing a problem, it's, it's really, really, really powerful. 
And you've got to ask this from a place of curiosity, but it's really, really powerful to go, okay, genuine inquiry, you don't have to say it, but it has to be a genuine inquiry. What's the positive intention behind behaving like that? And people go, well, clearly there's no positive intention. Well, let's say there is, because at some point there probably was, right? You may not be getting the positive result anymore. I didn't ask what's the positive result. I said, what's the positive intention behind that, right? And if it's still you're not sure, another question that can come up for you or you can use to see what comes up for you is how could this way of thinking, how could this pattern of thinking once serve me? Where could this pattern of thinking potentially once serve me? And see what arises. But you have to ask these questions from a place of curiosity, not from a place of judgment. It has to be observational in nature, which is, once again, a a practice in itself. Team, that's me done. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you found this podcast, I don't know, enjoyable, educational, something. And if you enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you'd pass it on or share it on your socials. Make sure you tag Peak and Flow Training and myself, Dave Nixon Flow, on Instagram or other socials, I guess. Um, but yes, team, thank you very much for tuning in. You can learn more about the retreats, coaching, and training at peakandflow.com.au. You can grab a copy of my book, Mining Yourself, anywhere online that sells books. If you buy it from my website, I'll even sign it for you. Send you a little love note. Otherwise... That's me done. I'm out. Until next time, peace and pizza. I'll see you soon.